How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Gospel of Fatherhood podcast. I am your host, Chris Ramirez. Join us every other Monday as we have a conversation about all things fatherhood. You can learn more about our podcast at fatherhoodgospel.com. Let's dive into today's episode. Well, hey guys, thank you again for joining us today in our episode of the Gospel Fatherhood Podcast. I am your host, Chris Ramirez, and we've been in a series called Greatest Lessons, and today we get to wrap it up. And some of you guys have been expecting an episode, wondering what's going on. There hasn't been an episode in about a month and a half. And for those that aren't um, following uh, our social media page, you are kind of unaware with what's going on in the Ramirez home, my family. Um, But for those that are following us, you are very much aware of my son, Kenzel James, born on November 17th, having to have open heart surgery. And um, this episode is our final episode of this series. And it's kind of uh, just an insight bringing you guys in to what, what has been going on with our family and uh, and just giving you guys a praise report, a testimony of what's going on with my son. Um, so thank you guys for your patience. This is the last episode of Greatest Lessons. And in this series, we've talked about various lessons that fathers that are uh, that have been fathers longer than myself have learned through their 10 years of being fathers and um, even lessons that I've learned uh, through my short tenure of being a father and just want to throw a little disclaimer out there my son is um, doing tummy time behind me so if you hear uh, a little bit of whining or you know baby cooing or whatever that's him I may have to press pause and go get him make sure he's doing all right but uh, but yeah thank you guys for your patience um, so I'll just jump right into it um, My son, Kenzel James Ramirez, was born November 17th, 2020, so about seven weeks ago, and, you know, he was born a healthy baby, everything was looking good, and, you know, we did the whole 24-hour thing where we stayed at the hospital, um, you know, a little bit longer than than just, you know, delivering and going home because we wanted to make sure that he was was maintaining and, you know, not not taking a turn for the worst. So uh, we stayed at the hospital. My wife was discharged. Two days later, we got the approval from her OBGYN uh, saying, you're good to go. You can go home. Your son just needs to go through one last vital test. So uh, Thursday at like 3 a.m. roughly, um, the nurse came to, to say my son needs to get his vitals. And she was like, you know, can, can I do it here? And we're like, sure. So she does it. She she thinks that the that the monitor that she's using was uh, was malfunctioning because she did it multiple times and she kept getting a, a low reading on his oxygen levels and um, and uh, so she's like can I take him to the nursery and use a different monitor because the one that I'm currently using doesn't seem to be working and we're like so tired at this point and we're like you know what take our son go to the nursery you know so she goes to the nursery and she doesn't come back for like an hour and she comes back for 4 30 in the morning and says hey I think one of you guys needs to come uh, to the nursery with me. Um, and we were kind of thrown off uh, at what was going on. And um, so I was like, okay, I put my shoes on, I, I, I get my stuff, and I go to the nursery. And, uh, and they said that my son has extremely low oxygen levels and he's going to need to be admitted to the NICU. So they start putting all these, uh, these IVs in him and, and you know, this, this, uh, thing that they call a hood, which is essentially, uh, a thing, a plastic 
container over his head to push oxygen uh, to, to, to his body. And, um, and everything's just going really, really fast. This part is extremely um, confusing and it's kind of a blur simply because um, things were going so fast. I don't know if you've ever watched a TV show like Grey's Anatomy and when doctors and nurses are talking to patients uh, uh, with medical terms and it just kind of goes all over your head. Well, that's real life, my friends. And that's kind of what happened to me. I, I was like, okay. And then they're rolling my son to the NICU and I'm kind of just confused and concerned and nervous and a bunch of different emotions are flooding my brain right now um, at this point. And, uh, and we get to the NICU and more wires, more, more IVs. And I finally just broke down. <laughs> there he is. Um, he's saying hi to you guys. Um, uh, I just break down and I say, I have no idea what's going on. And, and, you know, they're like, we will explain once we get him stable. And I'm just sitting there crying my eyes out, not knowing what's happening with my son, just knowing he's having a hard time breathing. And, and, uh, and then eventually when they're all done, they say, Hey, we need to talk to you and your wife. So the doctors all come together. The main cardiologist on staff at the hospital comes and talks to us to kind of tell us the prognosis and what the NICU team kind of came, uh, to conclusion of was that my son in the womb had a merconium aspiration. And for those that are unaware of what that is, Google it. It's too much to explain right now. I don't want to. I don't want this episode to be uh, too too drawn out. And uh, that meconium aspiration uh, caused him to have an infection in the lungs, is what they were kind of assuming. And uh, and they said that he just needs time, antibiotics, and oxygen support. That's what they told us. We asked what the time frame, the timeline looked like, and they said um, they said days, not weeks. He should be out of here within seven to ten days. And we're like, okay, we can do that. It was extremely daunting. It was kind of um, it was kind of sad and scary, and we had no idea what to really think. Um, but we were leaving our newborn, our, our two day old, in the care and hands of very qualified and capable individuals, but they were complete strangers to us. So we were leaving our son Kenzel in the care of um, these NICU doctors and nurses. And, and um, yeah, it, it, it was sad leaving the hospital empty handed. You don't plan and prepare to leave the hospital after giving birth. My wife, that is giving birth to her and, and my son. You don't prepare to leave empty handed. It was a very, very, very um, uncomfortable, awkward, emotional. Uh, it was a very different situation for us. So we spent the next days, um, because of COVID-19 uh, is, is a reality. It was a reality and it still is. We spent um, the days uh, going back and forth from the hospital back home, trading off because we both couldn't be in the room at the same time. Um, and, you know, this part wasn't... Um, it, it, it wasn't the end of the story, so I don't want to spend too much time about his stay at the NICU, but essentially it just, it, it never progressed. He never progressed, never got better. He was stable, but never got better. And every single time they would take him off of oxygen support, his oxygen levels would uh, drop again. So uh, they they didn't necessarily think that that was good enough. Um, they didn't want to just keep him on oxygen support just to keep him stable. They, they wanted 
wanted him to start improving. So he was in the NICU from Thursday to Saturday night. And at that point, the doctor, um, one of the doctors at the NICU said, your son is not getting better. He's just remaining stable. And uh, we need to send him to Rady's Children's Hospital. And that's for those who are unaware what that is. It's a, it's a specialist hospital for, for, uh, for kids uh, that have, you know, extreme medical conditions. And, and we were like, okay. And at the time, you know, uh, we were really concerned because when we had that initial meeting with the NICU, uh, cardiologist and the specialist team, they told us that, uh, going to children's hospital was, you know, like if, if, if one wasn't a concern and 10 was like the biggest, uh, hurdle that he would need to overcome going to Rady's is a 10 and he's not going to have to go to Rady's. And what do you know? A couple days later, my son was sent off to Rady's children's hospital hospital and and that was the hardest day for me personally it was um it was it was saturday when they gave us that news and i just remember weeping in my wife's arms wondering why this was happening and just being so scared for my son and and it was just a really really tough day for me and my wife had a little bit of a different experience. She was extremely encouraged simply because these are specialists at Rady's Children's Hospital. They specialize with um, with unwell babies. And uh, my son was an unwell baby. And and, uh, and she was excited that they were going to find the problem. So um, they sent a team. They sent a team uh, to come and get my son. Originally, they were going to they were going to take a helicopter to for, uh, to Rady's Children's Hospital. And uh, but then because of the wind conditions, they they decided to take an ambulance. So they sent a they sent an ambulance, and they had their their EMT team come and get my son to a place where he was stable enough to to. Um, to to take a, a car ride down to downtown San Diego. Um, and uh, they said they were going to do a echocardiogram, which is essentially getting pictures of his cardiovascular system. And originally we were told nothing was wrong with his heart. That's what we were told. Um, it was simply an infection of the lungs. And then um, when he got to Rady's, they took over 300 photos of his cardiovascular system. And uh, and they call me at 3 in the morning. They tell us that my son, in fact, does have an abnormality um, of the heart. And it's called TAPVR, which stands for Total Anomalous Pulmonary Venous Return. And in layman's terms, what the problem was is essentially when the blood is oxidized and the lungs um, it, it goes from the uh, the they call it the PDA the pulmonary duct artillery um, and there's four pulmonary veins in that duct it, 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 it's supposed to go from there uh, to the left side of the heart to the right side of the heart back to the rest of the body but my son's blood was not traveling the right direction um, and that's what was causing high blood pressure in his in his lungs, one, and two, causing low oxygen levels because his blood was going, um, it was going to an unnecessary pit stop, essentially. Google Maps told my son to take an unnecessary turn to get to a particular direction, essentially. So with that said, it's a serious condition. It's a rare condition. Um, but... Uh, my son was going to need open heart surgery within the next 24 hours. So uh, we were extremely, extremely uh, concerned and 
we we were told that we needed to be at the hospital the very next morning. So they call me at three in the morning. Well, that same morning, I guess they call me at three in the morning. I was there at six and essentially signed a bunch of waivers saying that my son needed to have surgery. And, um, and it was extremely tough. Uh, it was hard. Those hours from eight to about 2 p.m. when the surgery was complete uh, were some of the longest hours of my life, um, just waiting to see if the surgery went well. They said that he had a very high chance of the surgery going well, um, but you still, as a parent, as, as a person in general, you never know how uh, a surgery is going to go. And I was just extremely concerned and nervous and scared for my son, scared for my family, scared as the leader of my home, how, uh, you know, something God forbid were to go wrong, how I'm going to handle the situation. I, I, I felt ill-equipped. I felt not, not qualified for the situation. I just felt, uh, I just felt intimidated and scared. Um, so they call me, on Monday, this is a Monday when he had his surgery. They call me on Monday, and they uh, they say after the surgery that it went well. Praise, praise God, and um, and yeah, it was just a, it was just a relief. And now they said the hard part now begins recovery. So um, they said he was going to need to be in the hospital uh, at Children's Hospital for uh, for an average, you know, anywhere from two weeks to a month, but prepare for a month, and. Um, and we drove, it was a 45 minute drive one way. We drove every single day and stayed for hours upon hours, leaving our daughter to grandma and grandpa almost every single day. And it was, you know, it was sad leaving our daughter, but we felt like we didn't want to leave our son. It was just a really difficult position to be in. We, we, we were juggling two children at two different places and it was just really, really hard. The doctors advised us to not spend that much time at the hospital because our son wouldn't necessarily remember it, but our daughter would feel our lack of presence. So spend time with our daughter, but we just felt wrong leaving our son. So we just tried to balance our time as much as possible and make, um, make the time we did spend with our daughter unique, fun, and, and just different. Um, even though COVID is, is in our midst and (laughs) everything's closed. So, uh, for the most part, or there's significant restrictions. So we just tried our best juggling it. And, um, and yeah, so, uh, weeks go on, going you know, slow improvement, IVs, collapsed veins, uh, having uh, SVT, which is uh, a high heart rate. A normal heart rate is anywhere from the mid hundreds to the you know high 180s. And at one point, my son's heart rate got to got close to 300, so he had some built up pressure, and it was just it was just a roller coaster, guys. But it was. It, it, it was his road to recovery, and December 4th was the day he finally got released. We were expecting him to come home December 22nd, a couple of days before Christmas. That was our big hope, our prayer, and God answered it so much greater, um, so much faster. He he opened the door for my son to come home two weeks earlier, two and a half or three, something like that, two to three weeks earlier than we originally thought, and it was just it was just a testament of God's goodness um, in the midst of such a terrible, scary situation. Um, our son was able to come home before Christmas and meet his big sister. And it was just, 
it was just such a surreal moment bringing our son home from the hospital um, and seeing our daughter Catalina meet our son Kenzel for the first time. We were unsure how that uh, would look if she would, you know, be upset or be happy. We were unsure and. Thankfully, um, you know, with the with the anticipation building up, you know, oh, your 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 little brother's at the hospital. He's gonna come home in a couple of days. Oh, he's gonna come home in a day. Oh, he's coming home today. Um, I think she she gained a sense of anticipation and excitement because it was like, it was, you know, the, the days she was counting the days it seemed like, and he got home and, you know, the rest has been history. They, it seems like they've been best friends ever since he's been home. She always asks for him. She's always concerned about where he is, if he's sleeping, if he's awake, why he's crying. Does he need his pacifier? Is he hungry? She's she's his biggest advocate. And it's just a, such a sweet, sweet story seeing their, their siblinghood uh, develop. And I'm just so grateful for that. Um, so, with all that said, there's a few things through this process that I have learned, and some of them are almost obvious, and some of them are uh, are are not so obvious, and it's it's really caused um, my family and I to take a deep dive into um, who we are, uh, our emotional stability, and um, and ultimately the God that we that we. Um, that we consider and we believe is healer and and king of this world and and uh, the first thing is um, God is in control even though it doesn't feel like it God was in control he had a purpose he has a purpose and a plan for my son's life my son's gonna have a story to tell um, through all of this he's gonna have such a unique story to tell and I believe my son is gonna have such a strong voice for the voiceless so the first thing that I've learned um, through this experience with my son having open-heart surgery is um, is God is in control God is so so powerful the second thing is um, my wife and I would not have been able to do this without um, without each other supporting one another there were moments where my wife just wept just wept and I had to be strong for her and there were moments where I just wept and she had to be strong for me and uh so each other, one, but two, also leaning on support systems for prayer, for uh, for help, for um, for for uh, for peace, and you know, for for things like meals, just leaning on on a community. And in that saying, it takes a village is it, it's legitimate, guys. It's true. We wouldn't have been able to do it with you listeners, um, to our friends and family. We would not have been able to do it if it wasn't for you guys. Um, so it really does take a village to not only raise a sick baby, but also to just raise a kid in general. There are people out there that have well babies that haven't spent days upon weeks in hospitals and, 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 you know, those people need you too. So that's the second thing I've learned. And, and, um, the third thing I've learned is how much stronger my son is than I am. Um, and that sounds funny because he's not even eight weeks old yet. And my son, through this whole experience, just showed me his resilience, his strength through it all. When I was questioning 
God when I was hopeless. My son remained calm. There were moments where they're like, okay, dad, mom, you may want to step out of the room because we're going to pull this IV and it's not going to feel too good and you may not want to hear him scream. So we would leave the room and we'd come back 15 minutes later and the nurses would say, oh my gosh, he's a champ. He didn't even move. He didn't whine. He didn't flinch. And and there's just such a resilience to my son. And, and it just made me and makes me want to be a stronger man because if such a small uh, human has that level of strength, I can have that level of strength because God cares about this baby just as much as he cares about me. He cares about you. So my son's resilience is is tremendous. And, and another thing that I learned was um, that if I was a if I was a dad with this was my first kid, it would have been extremely hard for those parents that are out there that uh, have only had one kid and it's a sick baby like my son. Um, I have no idea how you guys do it, and I commend you guys. And I you guys are way better parents than I ever could be. Um, but having my daughter was really a game changer for my wife and I because we didn't have the opportunity to just sit in our uh, sit in our sorrow and sit in our our, in our depression, you know, the show must go on, um, you know, for lack of better terms. Of course, our son is in our hearts and our minds, and, and, uh, and, and, and it was on the forefront of what we thought about regularly. It was, it was our greatest concern, but we couldn't, sh- we couldn't allow my daughter to feel a lack of intimacy, a lack of nearness from mommy and daddy because we were so concerned with our son. So she made us continue to move forward and to legitimately not dwell in our depression. So so Catalina, one day when you're listening to this, you, you seriously got mommy and daddy through um, one of the toughest times, if not the toughest time in our life. Um, And lastly, the last thing I learned is uh, that the community uh, that that surrounds my wife and I are extremely, extremely generous and, um, and, you know, we are just in awe of how God showed up for us. We're in awe of how God showed up for us. Uh, Our friends um, created a GoFundMe page for us, and our goal was exceeded through the GoFundMe page and private donors. We're overwhelmed by the goodness of God that has helped us financially through this situation because medical bills are expensive. We're we're overwhelmed by the goodness of God through the tangible things. This, This experience showed us how tangible and near God is. God doesn't necessarily only care about the big picture, right? My son being healthy, but he cares about the little things that follow. How is, how are Chris and Katie going to going to pay for this medically? How how are Chris and Katie going to eat? You know, they don't have time to cook meals. How are Chris and Katie going to get back and forth to the hospital providing gas cards or whatever it is, you know, like the 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 nearness of God was so evident. Um, to my wife and I, and, 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 and it just shows us that God doesn't only care about the big picture, but he cares about the little details um, as well. So 
Um, this is the last episode, guys, of the series. I'm so excited for what's to come. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of time to spend and be with my family, um, make sure my son's recovery goes well. He's currently home and thriving, but he's on um, one, two, three, four, five different medications, and and he takes them every two hours. So it's extremely exhausting for my wife and I. So I'm going to just you know take a little bit of time to to, to focus on that and my household, um, but. Once that season finishes, apparently, you know, in the next couple of months, I'm going to be praying and brainstorming for what's next for this podcast. Um, you know, I have some ideas of what's to come and whatnot, and I'm really, really excited for the for the idea that's manifesting in my heart about the next series. There's stuff on the horizon, guys, and I'm really, really excited for what God has been speaking. So stay tuned, stay posted, share this episode, share this podcast to your friends, family, various fathers. You don't need to be a dad to listen to this. Um, it's obviously directed towards fathers, but if you're not a dad and you're wanting to to be a dad or you're a mom wanting to learn more about fatherhood, send this to whoever you want. Um, This is a resource that we hope impacts multiple people. So share, if this is helpful to you, share this on your social media, leave us a review on Apple, on Apple podcasts. It's, It's super, super helpful to get this resource to more people. So we love you. We're grateful for you. Hope you have a good rest of your day. We'll see you next time.